Welcome to the Gloria Purvis Podcast, where we talk about the issues in the Catholic Church and in society that matter to you and to me, and I'm glad you're here to have that conversation with me. This week, I'm sharing some of my musings, and as you know, I'm active on Twitter and Facebook and other aspects of social media, and so I get to see a lot of conversations, although I may not participate in them. And there have been long discussions on wokeness from people who would probably style themselves as anti-woke. And when I talk about wokeness, I'm talking about racial justice. Narrowly, I'm talking about racial justice. I'm not talking about sexual identity, none of that stuff. Because wokeness originated basically with racial justice. So anyway, with that, somehow these anti-woke crusaders always refer back to these German philosophers and their philosophy as being the undergirding part of the woke movement, and that their philosophies are flawed in these ways. And I am bothered by that because it completely discounts all of the Black experience prior to the existence of these German philosophers. In a way, it almost makes it seem as if we couldn't come to a conclusion that we needed to be liberated without the guidance of some Germans. Never mind our lived experience, never mind our uprisings, never mind our quests to throw the yoke of the chain from our neck, from our feet, from our wrists, from our bodies. And that's a kind of neat trick. It allows you to not actually have to engage at all with any of the writings uh, or the experiences of oppressed Black people. And in fact, the anti-woke crusaders objecting to us referring to the world in a way that, you know, identifies these were the oppressors and these were the oppressed. So oftentimes we hear that the world is, when they look at these philosophers, they say that it's always contentious, that in terms of Marx, it's going to be this liberation of a certain class against the upper class. They complain that these philosophers and their worldview is always from a place of rebelling against, overthrow, all that kind of stuff. And they think it's problematic for the human family. I'm making it much more simple, of course, than how people go into it. But the reason I'm making it simple is because I think pointing simply to these German philosophers misses the whole liberation movement by Black people. I mean, you could look at the Stono River Rebellion, with those Catholics from the Congo coming to the colonies in South Carolina. And the rebellion, as it's called, Stono River Rebellion, really was an uprising against the oppressive experience of these enslaved Catholics from the Congo region of Africa. They didn't need German philosophers to tell them how they were being enslaved was wrong. They didn't need German philosophers to tell them that, you know what? We have to revolt. And that means taking up arms to pursue our own freedom. And I was watching a video actually of James Baldwin saying, you know, white people could say, give me liberty or give me death. But when black people say it and act on it and and really try to seek their freedom, that all kinds of violent reprisals come up against black people as if our wanting our freedom is somehow unjust, is somehow dangerous, and somehow has to be squashed because the way in which we seek our freedom, they somehow say, isn't right. But yet, when white people say it and actually pursue it and actually pursue it using violent means or destroying property, as in the Tea Party, that's somehow patriotic and okay. 
So some of the things that they object to in the woke movement is what they call identity politics. And the way in which they look at identity politics to me is strange because it's so far away from how the term was coined. So in the 1970s, a collective of Black women used the term identity politics to describe their work to end their own oppression. They realized no one else cared enough about them to work consistently for their freedom. They wanted a feminist movement that made the liberation of Black women central rather than an adjunct to somebody else's cause. And their work was based on self-love, a shared belief that Black women are inherently valuable. They saw themselves as successors to Sojourner Truth, Harriet Tubman, Ida B. Wells, Mary Church Terrell, and countless unnamed heroic Black women. And like these foremothers, they understood their unique position of being both Black and female and the subsequent challenges of dealing with racism and sexism. They even used the term anti-racist and anti-sexist to describe their politics. And so this problem with identity politics and the way they've misused the term identity politics to mean something negative and terrible and, and exclusionary has just been a real neat hat trick. Is that what I'm saying? Like they've taken the term and emptied it of its original meaning and made it something bad. I think what they've also done is fail to understand that any movement for liberation that's centered around a particular identity is an identity politics movement. So for example, I'm sure they'd have no problem with religious liberty movement. Well, guess what? That's a politic around the identity of those of us who are believers, right? That we want to be able to live our faith without being crushed by or oppressed by the government. But yet that's not called an identity politics movement. The civil rights movement was an identity politics movement. And so somehow the term that these Black women meant for good, this term that they originated, that they coined to explain why they felt that they needed to fight specifically for their own liberation was out of love of self and tired of being made not central to these other movements of which they were a part. That's what described their politics. I mean, we see this again with intersectionality, which is something they, at least the anti-woke crusaders, seem to mock and call the oppression Olympics, where the term actually came almost a decade after the Black women of the 70s coined it identity politics almost a decade later, yet another Black woman conceived a new term for examining the impact of racism and sexism on Black women. Who was that? It was Professor Kimberly Crenshaw. She's a legal scholar, and she's the one that coined the term intersectionality. And why did she coin the term? Well, she's a lawyer, and she's a scholar, and through her own examination of particular cases, she believed that a single axis analysis of discrimination and remedies to that discrimination were really insufficient to address the needs of Black women who experienced both race and sex-based discrimination. So she proposed intersectionality as a better lens through which to view the discrimination and oppression experienced by Black women. She understood Black women's needs could not be met if they were examined through a single category analysis. Why? Because that obscures their needs. So in other words, they could experience discrimination both as Black people and as women, and remedies needed to address both. And so when people frame these terms as the enemy of Christianity, it's just like wild to me. It's like they're robbing us of the very language we need to 
explain what is happening in us and the language we need to help us seek remedy, to seek justice, to seek that we are given what we're due, whereas we had been deprived through these injustices. I remember watching an interview actually on the now defunct Black News Channel, BNC is what it's called. It was an interview in May of 2021 where Dr. Cornell West described wokeness perfectly, in my opinion. He defined it this way. It's the sensitivity to the suffering of those people who have been terrorized, traumatized, and hated. Wokeness is just a positive step in trying to keep track with people's sufferings. We're going to pause real quick for an ad break, so stay with us. Welcome back. Just to summarize, we've been talking about the anti-woke movement that's really become a little cottage industry in the United States. You see books, social media, people giving talks, people getting funds, actually, to promote anti-woke ideas. So it's strange to me to see terms like intersectionality and identity politics be referred to as anti-Christian. And some people even refer to wokeness, which I understand to mean a racial justice movement, that they describe our fraternity, if you will. They said it's a fraternity built on animosity or division. And that's just such a misrepresentation of our fraternity. The animosity and division did not originate with us. It originated with the people who were racist and used racist ideologies to enslave, oppress, and separate us from society. And if I hadn't made it clear before, it is galling to me to hear the oft-repeated lie that wokeness arose from Germans like Marx and Hegel. What? To me, the fraternity that was built on animosity and division is white supremacy, the very reason why we have racial justice movements. That was a fraternity that I would expect Catholic Christians in the United States to be dissecting. That is where the real animosity and division started, okay? Racial justice has not polluted Christianity. White supremacy has from its very earliest forms in this country. And guess what? I've spoken with too many Black Catholics who are disgusted by some of these Catholics, clergy and lay, who denounce the entire movement. I mean, doing so enables some Catholics to remain comfortable and detached in the face of our suffering or justified in their hostility toward the racial justice movement. The rebuke and rejection that a lot of us Black Catholics have experienced you know, probably would be too much if it weren't for the love and support of some of our Black clergy and religious. I mean, they share in our experience and tend to our wounds, and they are Jesus's hands, and they comfort us and steady us on the road we trod. I mean, and if you're interested in healing these wounds, I mean, I think, please, take the time and be careful with the language. Take the time and listen to understand why there is a racial justice movement. Take the time to really consider the anti-woke brigade and what they're missing, and don't fall into that. Listen to us, understand our experience, empathize with us, and please don't get lost in trying to demonize the people who are seeking justice. We have to do better. And I've been completely annoyed by this longstanding lie tying Black liberation movements to white Germans as if we couldn't understand our own oppression and we needed Germans to name it for us. We needed Germans to tell us how to get free when actually it was Christ himself, it was God himself 
who put something in the human heart that makes us want to move to love and freedom. I'm so glad you're tuning into the Gloria Purvis podcast and joining with me through these important and, well, sometimes challenging conversations. Please share this episode with a friend or family member and be sure to click follow to the Gloria Purvis podcast on your podcast app and leave us a review if you can. I would love to hear from you. And by the way, you can follow me on Twitter at Gloria underscore Purvis and on Instagram at I am Gloria Purvis. The Gloria Purvis Podcast is a production of America Media. It's produced by Maggie Van Dorn and is engineered by Frank Tucson. You can learn more about America Media at americamagazine.org. We'll see you next time.